thank you for this evening as we come before your holy word. We pray that your word will minister to us in simplicity and in clarity of speech. Thank you, O Lord, that you will minister through my vocal cords, you think through my mind. I pray that may your word bring understanding, may your word bring clarity, may your word bring light to your people. I pray above all that may we be doers of the word, Lord, and not just hearers only. Thank you for answer prayers. I pray that you will enlarge our hearts so that we'll be able to run the course of your commandments, especially concerning this teaching in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so last week, um, I don't know why, what's happening to my eyes. <laughs> last week, we looked um, at Peter's letter to basically the saints. You know, the saints were scattered in, in different regions of, you know, um, uh, Rome, so to speak. Uh, they were in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. You know, parts of Rome, parts of Ephesus, the saints were, were, were scattered there. And we established scripturally that the letter or the epistle first uh, Peter was written to Christians. It was written to Gentile Christians, not necessarily Jews. It was written to Christians to encourage them to hold on uh, through suffering. So the, the main theme of the book of First Peter is suffering. And that's what made Peter write this book. Thank God that Peter knew how to encourage people. You know, sometimes when you are suffering and when you are going through it, a word of encouragement goes a long way to help. And that's why these five chapters are written. Peter is letting them know that, look, what you are going through, don't count it strange because you are a believer. Um, you are going through what you are going through because you are a believer. Don't count it strange that it's happened to you. So sometimes as Christians, we go through hard times because we are Christians. And what can we really do about it? You know, we, we go through hard times because of the state of this world. That's why, if you remember the book of Revelation, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. This earth is tainted. You know, when Jesus Christ redeemed us, he didn't redeem the earth. He just redeemed the people that are on earth. The earth is the way it is. It's fallen. It's sin-stained because of Adam. At the end of this age, this earth, we will not be here. But a new heaven and a new earth will be created. And that is so sinful. No matter how much of a Christian you are, you will go through hard times. This is something that every believer has to know. About two or three weeks ago, I think during the Easter period, I, I had a very painful story of a man of God who lost a son. You know, and you're asking yourself, why does he have to lose a son? Great man of God, does he crusades, he ministers the word of God, miracles, healings. Think about it. You lost your son very painfully. And even I remember that Good Friday, he had a miracle service at a very large place. 
you know, great man of God of realm. Why does this happen? It happens because of this world we are in. This world is sinful. That's why the Bible says that we will go to a place where there will be no longer tears, no more tears, no more pain. Eh, none of that. This world is stained. So even if you are redeemed, you are righteous, you are sanctified, you are anointed, you are powerful, it still doesn't extricate you from life's pain and painful experiences. It doesn't. You experience pain. So that's the world we live in. And Peter made that clear to them. That being a Christian doesn't mean that you, 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 are, you are going to live a difficult free life, test free life, temptation free life, hardship free life. However, one of the things that happens when you become a Christian, when you face all these unpleasant scenarios, is that God gives you strength, he gives you power to be able to overcome and they not overcoming you. And that's very important. So you have to know that. So you don't just have to be scared like, oh, wow, I thought uh, I have escaped. You've not really escaped, but you do have power. You are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be able to overcome each and every painful experience that you experience along this walk of faith. It's very important for us to know that. So before Peter encouraged the people, he first and foremost told them that you are the way you are. You are shaky because you are weak. You should desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow. That's First Peter chapter 2, verse 1 to 2. And like all of you rightly said, the milk of the word is known as the foundational principles of Christ. And we looked at six things that constituted that. Repentance from dead works, faith, baptism, slain of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So today we really want to now move on to the main crux of our study tonight. The reason why we have this series for this reason. First Peter chapter 2 verse 9 to 10. Now, Peter wanted them to know who they were. Before Peter now begins to encourage them about whatever hardship that you are going through, hold on and go through. He wanted them to know who they were. Uh, and, and as believers, hear me well. If you are going to survive any hard times, if you are going to survive times of testing, it's very important to know who you are in Christ. Know your identity. When I'm talking about know your identity, I'm not talking about your temperament. Are you a melancholy or sanguine, phlegmatic, choleric? No, that's not what I'm talking about. When I talk about know your identity, I'm not talking about identify yourself by the horoscope. I'm a Cancer, I'm a Sagittarius, or what have you. That's not what I'm talking about. When I talk about knowing your identity, I'm not talking about defining yourself by I am my father's son. I mean, you should be proud to be your father's son. You should, but... um, there is something that supersedes that. That is your identity in God, your identity in Christ. That is your real identity. So before Peter began to encourage the people, he wanted them to know their identity because I believe that any Christian who is going to overcome temptations and overcome hardship, it will happen on the premise of knowing who you are in God. 
who you are in Christ, what has salvation afforded you that has changed your identity? That's very important. So now let's read First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 to 10. It starts with this statement, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness unto his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Whenever you are reading a scripture and when you see the word but, it's always important to refer to the left side of the statement. Because if you just look at but and you just focus on the right side of the statement, you kind of get half a picture. You don't get the whole picture and, and you don't get the full statement of what the author may be trying to say. So why is the word but there? Uh, if you look at First um, Peter chapter 2 from verse 4 going, Peter encouraged the Gentile believers. You know, the believers were mostly Gentiles, not really Jews. Peter mainly encouraged the believers that you have now become living stones out of which you have been built to become a spiritual house. And last week I did, I, I think I did mention what is a spiritual house. A spiritual house means you carry the presence of the Lord. That's what that makes it a spiritual house. You see, the tabernacle was the tabernacle, not because of the design. The temple was the temple, not because of the design. It was so because it was a spiritual house. And what made it a spiritual house was the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of the Lord. And we said that the Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of the Lord. That's what makes it a spiritual house. If you take the Ark of the Covenant out of the tabernacle, out of the temple, which in those days, that was the order, that the tabernacle or the temple ceases to become a spiritual house. So when the Bible lets us know that we who have become believers, we have become living stones now being erected as a spiritual house, it simply means we carry the presence of the Lord. We have the Holy Spirit. So you are a spiritual house. Every believer is a spiritual house. Last week we looked at Acts chapter 17. Where Apostle Paul says that God has moved out of the temple that was built by the hands of men. We saw that in the scripture. He's, he's checked out. You think you are the only person that has moved out. God has also moved out. God, God understands evacuation. <laughs> the Holy Spirit evacuated from the temple, from the Ark of the Covenant, and he now lives in us. We are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians chapter says, what did Apostle Paul say? Know ye not, you are the temple. That's why you should not commit fornication. So that was Apostle Paul's message to the Corinthian church in chapter 6. Don't 
be involved in sexual immorality because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we are the temples. We've now become a spiritual house. So after Peter encouraged the believers and gave them that message, he now said that the spiritual house out of which the cornerstone on which the house is built is Christ. This cornerstone was presented to the Jews and he became a rock of offense, a stone of stumbling. So many Jews could not receive him. And many Jews are going to perish because of that. But, that's verse 9 now. You are a chosen generation. Why? Because you have received Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. And because you have received Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. Because you have received the chief cornerstone. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are his own special people who have been called forth out of darkness into his marvelous light that you will proclaim forth the praises of him. And also you who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You are not a people, but now are a people. Because you have received Jesus, who is now the chief cornerstone. You are not like the Jews. They rather saw the chief cornerstone as a stone of stumbling, as a rock of offense, and because of that, they perish. They could not receive salvation. But you who are now heirs of salvation, you have become these things that I just mentioned. Amen. Now, it was a big deal for the Gentiles to hear this. Because if you just look at this casually, you will not understand this very carefully. Now, tonight I just want us to look at Exodus chapter 19, verse 1 to 6. We will understand why this is a big deal. So go with me to Exodus chapter 19, verse 1 to 6. Exodus chapter 19, verse 1 to 6. In the third month, after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt on the same day. So this was three months after the deliverance of Israel from Egyptian captivity. There are movies about it, the Ten Commandments, Moses, some, some Hollywood productions called the Moses are the Ten Commandments. So it's the third month. And now they are going to hear from God. They came to the place called the Wilderness of Sinai. And this was the place where Moses received the Ten Commandments. This was the place that Moses had fellowship with God. So it was seen as a hallowed place or a sacred place. For they had departed from Rephidim, had come to the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, 
and brought you to myself. Now therefore, you will indeed obey my voice and keep my commandments. So, right here in verse 4, God is saying that I've chosen you. I brought you to myself. I chose you. So God is saying that you guys are special. That's why I attacked the Egyptians. That's why I took you out of captivity. I brought you to myself. Bringing someone to yourself, is, it, it, it conveys the concept of you are chosen. Bringing someone to yourself, it conveys the concept of a man proposing to a woman. You are bringing her to yourself, to your house, where you will build a matrimonial home, something like that. It, it depicts the concept of you've been chosen. Now, look at verse 5. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my commandments, then you shall be a treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine. Verse 6. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These words are which you shall speak to the children of Israel. You see, these were exclusive privileges, exclusive rights to the children of Israel. It was not for any other nation. No Gentile nation could claim these. This was only to Jewish people, Israel. God said, I chose you. I brought you to myself. If you obey my commandments, let me give you another catch. You will be my holy nation. You will be my kingdom of priests. And you will be a special treasure to me above all people for the earth is mine. This under the law. Under the law, there was no Gentile who could say, I am a kingdom of priests or I belong to a kingdom of priests. There was no Gentile under the law that could say, I am holy. There was no Gentile under the law that could say, I am special, I am chosen, I am preferred. Or, I'm God's special treasure. No, nobody could say that. It was distinct. Therefore, it was a big deal. Now, reverse it thousands of years later. Here is Peter, who is a Jew, who understood these concepts. Now, he is telling Gentile brethren, people who are not Jews, that you who have become an heir of salvation, you who have received the chief cornerstone who is Jesus, you are also a chosen generation. You are also a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood is the same as kingdom of priests here. It means a tribe of priests. You are also a holy nation and you are also his own special people. 
Why? Is it because I'm Jewish? No. It is because I have accepted the chief cornerstone who is Christ. And I've become an heir of salvation. And because I've become an heir of salvation, all these exclusivities that belongs to Jews can also belong to me. So now, now, under grace, if a Jew does not receive Christ as his Lord and personal Savior, he can't say that by Jewish inheritance or by Jewish heritage, I am a royal priesthood, I am a holy nation. It doesn't work like that. That's why Apostle Peter talked about the end of any person who doesn't receive Christ, who is the chief cornerstone as his Lord and personal Savior. Either you are Jewish or Gentile, you have the same fate. You will experience eternal destruction. But now, when we talk about these exclusivities that was in Exodus chapter 19, they now strictly belong to anybody who has accepted, who has made a conscious effort to receive Christ. It's not now by proxy. That means I don't have to do anything. I just have to be born into something to receive it. It doesn't work that way anymore. It's not by being a Jew. So now this was something that was very present. So I'm sure that when the Gentiles hear this, it's going to be a big deal for them. Because the Gentiles somehow knew that this was an exclusive title for Jewish people. And Jewish people have big mouth, you know. Jewish people are not quiet. And they will let you know, I'm a chosen priesthood. That is what my law says. When a Jew and a Gentile met, there was such a chasm, such a difference, because the Jewish man will let you know. He are not the same stock. And believers, that's when we can learn that. We have to let the devil know we are not the same stock. You see, you don't apply that to people. You have to let the devil know we are not the same stock. I'm chosen. What about you? I'm a royal priesthood. What about you? Holy nation. What about you? So that is what it is about. Amen. So the Israelites were chosen. Because God earmarked deliverance for them. They were chosen. That is why in, in the Old Testament, scriptures like Jacob I love, Esau I hate, could be said. Why? Because Israel was chosen. It's a chosen generation. And today, that exclusive title of being chosen applies to us. A kingdom of priests. Under the law, there was no non-Jewish priest. You can't find it. I, I can give you an assignment today. Bet my whole money with my social security number. Because I know you won't, you won't, you won't find it anyway. There, there, there is nothing like a non-Jewish priest. Show me. It's, not, it's forbidden by the law. Anybody who had to become a priest had to be a seed of Abraham. That's it. 
You have to be a seed of Abraham. And not just that, but you also have to come from a particular tribe within this special tribe called the tribe of Levi. How you could qualify to become a priest? There's no non-Jewish priest. But now, because of salvation, it's no longer an exclusive title. Anybody who receives Christ as his Lord and personal Savior is a priest. What is the difference between a priest and a pastor? I asked this question once and some of you answered it very well. So let's refresh our memory again. If, if some of you remembered your answers, it was good. What's the difference between a priest and a pastor? So a believer is a priest, but a believer is not a pastor. So what's the difference between a priest and a pastor? Let's think about that for a minute before we come back to our teaching. Because the Lord didn't say we are a kingdom of pastors. He said we are a kingdom of priests. That is not exclusive. That is for every believer, including you listening to me. So who is a priest, who is a pastor? What's the difference? If I'm right, I think I asked this question when I was doing the series on what is Jesus doing presently. And I like the contributions that flowed. Nobody? In your own words, who do you think is a priest? Who do you think is a pastor? What's the difference? Okay, the difference is the title. Okay, all right. Because I look at it as like a priest is more of an elder. I look at it as different in the title. Okay, all right. Thank you. So Zakwana has given us her opinion. A priest is more of a title or an elderly person. So she thinks that the difference just has to do with titles. So are you trying to tell me that their functions are the same? Shaquana? Both are can teach something about religion and about faith. But um, I'm trying to understand what's the, the, like, the big difference between them. Okay. All right. All right. Oh, why are we quiet?
I'll say a pastor, it's a calling. It's part of the fivefold ministry, right? So that's that's calling. And then um, for priests, like you said, all believers are priests. We are um, we are intermediaries between God and um, man. Um, when I say man, I mean the unbeliever. Amen. That's 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 one of the main functions. What is a priest? A priest is a mediator between man and God. So today, when God says that you are a priest, you are an intermediary, just like Minister Lily said. You don't need anybody to go to God on your behalf. You can go to God yourself. That's the priestly job. A priest had access to God. Today, you have access. Today, my morning devotion I did, that was what I learned. I have direct access to God the Father. So you're a priest. So don't be deceived. Let me go to God on your behalf. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived by people who come to tell you. Let me go to God on your behalf. Let me find the mind and the counsel of God concerning you. You can find the counsel, the mind and the counsel of God if you want to. If you want to. If you will not be lazy and if you want to, you will. Because the Bible says that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. If you diligently seek God, you will find his mind and counsel. Don't, don't, don't leave that to people. Don't leave that to people. And be deceived. You can find out God's counsel for your life. You can find out the will of God for yourself because you are a priest. We learned it today, right here. See, so Peter was not just speaking to the Christians of his day. Peter is speaking to anybody, including us, who has received Christ as his Lord and personal Savior. It applies to us. We are priests. The Jewish could boast of that because they had a tribe from which people were chosen and were consecrated just to become priests. Today, you and I are priests. You see, by the fact that we all have access to God, it doesn't mean all of us are pastors, right? So some are called to be pastors, others are not called. But every believer is called to be a priest. You have access to God. You have access to God. And then the Jewish people were seen as holy. We've defined holy here several times. Who can tell me what holiness is? What do you understand when you hear the word holy? Set apart. Set apart. So when God was telling the Jewish people that they are holy, he just meant, I've set you apart. He wasn't talking about long dresses per se, or you don't wear makeup or you wear makeup. It's nothing like that. I don't think when God was talking to the Israelites, three months after they've left captivity, I don't think he was saying, you are holy because of makeup. No. You are holy because I have set you apart. In every kitchen, the top shelf, the, the bowls there, the china there, all those things there, 
are holy. Why are they holy? They are set apart. They might be used on special occasions, Christmas, Easter, or visitors. It's not, it's not the regular plates you use. They are set apart. It's holy. That's what holiness means. We have been set apart. So God is telling the people that I have set you apart from all other nations of the world. That's what God is saying. You are holy. But thanks be to God today, I am under grace. I'm also holy. It's not an exclusive title. It also sounds full for me. It says, you are my own special people. God said, you will be my own special people. You'll be my special treasure above all people. Can you believe that today? We who are heirs of salvation are also God's own special people. We are God's special people because we have received Christ who is the cornerstone. We didn't allow him to become a stone of offense, a rock of stumbling. We too have also become his own special people. Amen. So it's very important for us to know that. So next week, I'm going to take my time to explain a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. What are these? Got to look at four of these things. And then that is when our theme will now kick in for this reason. Why has God decided to designate upon us these titles? Why? What is the reason? We are, we are chosen generation. We are a holy nation. We are a kingdom of priests. We are his own special people. Why? There is a reason. So by the time we come to the fourth installment, we will begin to understand the reason for why God has given us these titles or these attributes, which will form our identity. And I find it funny that before Peter will encourage the people to hold on, not give up. Be hopeful and suffering. It was very important that Peter explained to them who they were, what they had to do, all that stuff before he went into his main piece. That's to talk to them about they should not suffer. Amen. So, I'd like to end here tonight. Today is a very short one. Who has any questions or contribution? Any contribution? 
any question? All right, since there are no contributions or questions, what do you understand? Okay. Let me throw that question to the floor because all of you understand it. Can anybody be a priest? I think that you, as you said, that everyone could because, um, yeah. I think it's, it's more so about, um, what you call to do. Okay. If it's a calling, if you call to do it. All right. Like God feels like you're equipped to, to be able to be in that position. Okay. All right. So Shaquana has given an answer to grandma. She believes everybody can be a priest. That's one. And number two, if you are also called to do it too, that's also another thing. So now, grandma's question, let's answer it. Can every believer be a priest? Because all of us say we understand it, right? So let's answer grandma. So if I, 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 I believe that uh, we are all called to be not pastors, priests. So Peter is saying that we are priests, chosen. So it's as long as we are Christian, you are automatically a priest. You don't like you just said that you don't need anybody to deceive you. Oh, let me go to God for you. You you can you also qualify to go for the presence of God. If you are interceding for somebody for something, yes, but. Being deceived that, oh, I'm the only one called to do that, that's a lie. So we are all called to be priests, but not all are called to be pastors. So if I may ask, what do you think is the difference between a priest and a pastor then? I, I believe a pastor is a. Uh, is, uh, it's part of uh, the fivefold the ministry, fivefold ministry. Some are called to be pastors, some are called to be teachers, some are called to be uh, what is that? knowledge, the uh, givers, and all that. So a pastor is a, a call into the ministry, but a priest is. What God has called us to be. All believers are priests. My pastor, not all people can heal all, all people. Some have been given the grace and the gift to do that. The same way some have been given the grace and grace to uh, speak in wisdom and to teach. So I believe that a pastor is more of a calling into a ministry than a priest. The priest is who we are. Uh, I'm 
I making sense here? You are. The princess, the princess, what we are, that's what God has made us. As a believer, you are a priest and a king. But not all of us are pastors or a shepherd. Put it that way. That's a good one. What's anything else? to hear from all of you. Can every believer be a priest? Mr. Hayford has given us his take. He said yes. What about the rest? Um, So, I I want to contribute. So, in the Old Testament, the priests who were consultatives of God, who are told the people the mind of God or when God wanted to do something, when the people wanted to contact God, they would go through the priest to reach out to God. Um, they were seen as the people who were able to go before the presence of God. Um, but in, in the New Testament, because of the, the, uh, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we all have access to God the Holy Spirit who came to live inside of us. So we are now, all of us have become representatives of God. All of us who are born again, who uh, have received the Holy Spirit, have become representatives of God. And so the Bible tells us that we are royal priesthood, a peculiar people. So we have been called forth by God to make him known to the rest of the world, to show forth his place to the rest of the world. So everyone who is born again is a child of God and has the Holy Spirit. It's a royal priesthood. It's a representative Amen. That's very good. So that's it. So every believer can be a priest. Enough said. So why should we allow people to say, let me go and seek the mind and the counsel of God for you? Why? Is that right, according to what we've just read from the scripture? No. I don't think it's right, because we all have, you see, when Christ died and the blood spilled, the Bible says that the curtain, remember before, it was only the high priest who could go beyond the curtain to intercede and to plead for the people. But 
at the moment Christ's blood spilled, the Bible says that the curtain was straight. God gave us access, the Gentiles, those who will come to Christ, access to come to the presence of God as well. So for anybody to tell you that, oh, let me do this for you, or something, yeah, you can pray for your other believers. But you you don't have the exclusivity right to say, oh, okay, I'm the only one God listens to. Or I have that gift to go before God, and or God has chosen me to come before Him. That's a lie. So for me, if anybody should tell you this, that should be a red flag that don't even be talking to that person because he's a a liar. Amen. So watch out, okay? Don't let anybody deceive you. Don't be gullible. Don't let people deceive you. You have access. Hebrews chapter 4. Go into the throne room of grace. Go to the throne of grace boldly. It's right there. Can go. You don't need somebody to go on your behalf. An unbeliever will need an intermediary. That's why we are called priests. But once that unbeliever becomes a born-again believer, he too becomes a priest. And he shouldn't be looking for believer B or believer C to go to God on his behalf when he can go to God. Because you are a priest. A priest talks about direct access to God. And a priest also talks about sacrifices. Let me say this. In the New Testament, there are five kinds of sacrifices that we are involved in. It's not bulls and goats. I hope you are aware. I'll let you think about that. Next week, we will know. But think about it. Five sacrifices. So you can use that for your homework. So probably by the time I'm going through it, you'll be, you'll be checking the box like, ah, okay, I knew about this, I knew about that. Five sacrifices. We'll talk about them. Who else? So what do we understand about today's lesson? Let's wrap up. What do you understand about today's lesson? What did you learn? What did you take home? What blessed you? What spoke to you? So do you believe you are a priest? I mean, it, it really taught me a lot um, for me to be able to say I'm a priest, being that, you, that it was taught today that everyone is a priest as being a believer. So I would say yes. Okay. Great. 
Love that. some few more minutes to wrap up what did you learn today I am special yeah special what makes you special Amen. That's it. Christ. Thank God I'm not a Jew. Otherwise, I would have changed my name to Stephen L. Stephen. Hmm. I'll put L there, say I'm a Jewish. For me to have this title, Stephen L. Stephen. Then I'm a, I'm a Jew. Then therefore I qualify. But I don't need to do that. Yeah, Ghanaian. Once you receive Christ as your Lord and personal Savior with your thick Ghanaian accent, you can say, I am special. As simple as that. The story. It's a done deal. Amen. So we are special. Please remember that. I don't know if you are going through hard times. Remember you are special. Don't believe the lie of the devil. You are not stupid. You are not worthless. You are not good for nothing. You are amount to something. One day someone was just upset after that. He said, I'm just a bag of air. I'm like, well, how can you say that to yourself? You're not a bag of air. You're a human being created in the image of God. He's like, are you a preacher? I said, don't worry about it. I just came to encourage you. You are created in the image of God. Imago Deo. Remember that. You are not a bag of air. Amen. So we are special. Please remember that. Amen. All right. Let's take one more contribution and then we will close for tonight. One more. Let's take one more. It's getting to eight. One minute to eight.
Who's going to give us the last contribution? Um, one of the things we learned today was that um, unlike Israel, becoming a, um, a priest, the nation of priests is not necessarily proximity or being born as Israel, but it comes through faith in Jesus Christ. So whether you are born a Jewish person or you are born a Gentile, as long as you have faith in Jesus Christ, you will become part of the, um, the royal priesthood. Amen. God bless you. Father, we thank you for your word. Bless your holy name that we've listened to truths tonight. May these truths live in our hearts, O oh Lord. May we never forget these truths. Never, never. Even when we go through times of suffering or hardship, may we never forget who we are in you. Thank you, O oh Lord, for giving us an identity that is born out of the word, the spirit, and the blood. Thank you, O oh Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Pastor Augustine is in. Uh, I went to the airport to pick him um, this afternoon. He's in. He's ready for Sunday. So please, Sunday, I want to see all of you come to church. Amen. It will be a blessing. To, to be with us and fellowship with us in person. Okay, if you are able to come, uh, make it there, 723 South 17th. And then the week after, we'll have our presiding bishop also in town. So let's come, let's patronize, and uh, let's receive what God has for us through these two great men of God. Amen. Most especially our presiding bishop. So God bless you on this note. Good night. I'll see you on Sunday. Love you guys.